everyone, and welcome to Farm Bureau on the Hill. I'm Amy Beckham, and joining me this week from our public policy division is Shelby Vinoy. And Shelby, we have had a fun week in Nashville on Capitol Hill. It kicked off with the State of the State hearing from Governor Lee and some of his priorities for this year. And so um, let's just jump right in and tell us how the State of the State went and Give us a little insight into the budget and and what we can expect from his administration. Thanks, Amy. And I think this is the first week that it actually feels like session downtown. Uh, Late nights, both with things going on in Nashville, things happening here at the office in Columbia with webinars and getting things rolling in committee. It's just been an incredibly busy week, but a fruitful week, I think. Kick things off Monday night when Governor Lee delivered his sixth State of the State address and I think the best way to give an overview of his proposed $53 billion budget is by the headers that he had in his speech transcript. And although this isn't the order which they appeared, I think one that is probably the most important to our members is the idea of conservation for a brighter future. And Governor Lee acknowledged that the agriculture industry employs more than 360,000 Tennesseans and it is a $89 billion annual industry. And He recognizes, and we're so thankful that agriculture is Tennessee's number one contributor to our state's economy. So with that, he did propose $25 million to the state's Farmland Conservation Fund. Part of that corresponds with a Farm Bureau priority issue this year, House Bill 1890, Senate Bill 2099. Um, So that is kind of the nuts and bolts, the dollars behind this program. So, And the legislation does make it subject to annual appropriations. So $25 million is a great place to start for developing this program and trying to protect farmland for future generations. Also, under the conservation umbrella, he's made lots of great investments into several different aspects of conservation, $70 million to state park investments. So it looks like we're going to be getting eight new Tennessee state parks across the state. If you are grew up like me watching Bill Dance with your grandfather, maybe, um, there are some new monies going into the Bill Dance um, Lake program. So excited to see what that has to entail, as well as a new Blue Way Trail development, which is aimed towards improving access to the state's waterways and lakes. So I think his focus has definitely been on conservation this year. Aside from conservation, there's been some other investments in advancing rural health care. That's something that I think a lot of our folks, especially in those rural counties where maybe you don't have access to a hospital in your county and rely on having to travel to get health care, will find this important. So he's following up on the Rural Health Care Task Force that he developed in 2021 to explore solutions to address rural health issues. So he's made a $200 million investment over the next five years, um, which goes towards apprenticeships, training, recruitment, uh, rural telehealth, really focusing in on how do we improve uh, the rural folks' way of life when it comes to their health care Additionally, he's invested $100 million in behavioral health and substance abuse over the next five years as well. So really trying to tackle the mental health crisis that we're facing in our state. Also, uh, one thing that I think Kevin and I are excited about. So the governor's office is going to be working with the General Assembly this year to bring forth a plan to streamline 40% of existing rules across the executive branch. That equals about 4,000 rules that are either going to be streamlined or eliminated. So anytime we can take things that are maybe unnecessary, underutilized, off the books, we are all for that. And another big thing that I think we touched on the first week of our podcast was the governor's education plan. So we kind of finally know 
what that's going to look like. Um, since his time in office, Governor Lee has allocated $1.8 billion into public education. You know, the TISA formula was restructured from BEP since his administration. So lots of lots of work has been done on education since he's taken over. So um, the Education Freedom Scholarships is one thing that he is focusing on for this year. And with that, he has proposed $144 million recurring for his Education Freedom Scholarship expansion. Um, with that, we also put $20 million into Tennessee's Rainy Day Fund. Um, That is something that, although revenues have been going down in our state, economically we are still in a great place in Tennessee, but the rainy day fund is just to make sure that not if, but when those hard times come about, that we have money in the reserves to pull from and and keep our state functioning appropriately. So all in all, like I said, $53 billion. And now from what happens from here is those bills that have corresponding programming to the funding that I've mentioned will start working their way through committee. So to kind of go back to another issue, and I don't mean to put you on the spot by any means, but for those listening, um, education is a big thing this year. In terms of some of what you just said, what is our stance as an organization on some of his education priorities and hopes? That's a great question, Amy. And our policy that our folks vote on every year, and this, this year at convention was probably one of the most robust debates we had was about education. Our policy supports parental's rights to choose whatever is best for their children. Um, However, we did add new policy this year that if decisions are made that may impact public schools, that they should be held harmless in those decisions. So the last thing we want is for our public schools and our local governments to not be funded appropriately. So part of that is just how do we make sure that while we're encouraging um, parents to freedom and the ability to do with their children's education what they wish. How do we hold those counties and those schools harmless um, and not be a detriment to our public schools as well? Great question. Very good. Well, y'all will have a challenge of balancing that, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but thanks for thanks for sharing that. So anything else this week um, that we need to be aware of that happened um, before we kind of look ahead at what's to come? There is. So we had a priority issue that moved in the Senate. Um, Senate Bill 1659 by Senator Paige Wally seeks to increase the acreage cap for Greenbelt. Currently, that cap is at 1,500 acres. The bill that he passed out of the Senate, state, and local government committee increases that cap to 5,000 acres. So from here, it will go to the Senate Finance Committee. And because the budget has to be discussed before bills that have fiscal impact go through the process, it more than likely will stay in the Senate Finance Committee for a while while we wait on that process. But we're thankful it received a 7-1-1 vote. So seven voted in the affirmative, one uh, voted no, and then one senator passed. So great numbers. Looking forward to working that out in the Finance Committee. Um, On the House side, one piece of legislation we talked about last week that our representative, Representative Sapicki, has um, has to deal with human vaccines delivered through food means. Um, This bill was presented in the House Agriculture Subcommittee on Tuesday, and there was great discussion about this technology and an acknowledgement that this technology is still extremely early in research and is not on the market. But how do we be proactive about if and when that technology does come to market? Um, So this legislation passed out of the subcommittee and goes before the House Full Agriculture Committee next week. Also in the House Ag Committee this week, we got to hear from Senior Vice Chancellor, Senior Vice President, Dr. Keith Carver, um, who presented on behalf of the UT Institute of Agriculture to the House House 
Agriculture Committee. Um, he did a great job, brought some students up and let them talk about their experience. Um, of course, Wednesday was UT Day on the Hill. So that was something that a lot of folks, lots of orange, different shades of orange between Knoxville, Martins, a little bit of gold in there for Chattanooga. Um, so great to see our folks with UTIA this week. But wrapping up today with webinars, and then I guess we'll just gear up and get ready for next week. And I think it was on the same day as UT Day on the Hill, Dan Strasser testified before some committees about his appointment to the UT Advisory Board. And so all of that passed through those committees, correct? Yep. So from here, he will be on both the House and Senate floor calendars. And typically in the House, those tend to go on the consent calendar, which means they're voted on as a whole. Um, we were watching the Senate the Senate floor this morning, though, and it looks like they're handling confirmations individually. So he will have his shining moment <laughs> on both the House and fl- Senate floors, um, hopefully as soon as next week when he that gets moving. Well, very good. We're uh, excited for him and, and that opportunity, a really neat neat one for him. So looking ahead at what's to come next week, um, give us some, some insight. Sure. So next week is bound to be yet another busy week. Um, we have two priority issues that are moving, one in the House, one in the Senate. The first is the Farmland Conservation Program. Um, Representative Lamberth has filed the bill because it is an administration bill. Uh, Representative Lamberth is the majority leader. He files all of Governor Lee's bills, administration bills on his behalf. So you will see his name first on any publication that we put out. It will have Representative Lamberth. However, we're so excited to have Chairman of the House Ag Subcommittee. Uh, Chairman Rusty Grills, who is former active involved in Farm Bureau and family, is no stranger to us, but excited to have him present that in the House Ag Subcommittee next week. And again, just to recap, and you can read all about this in the alert, but this will just establish a program and give the Tennessee Department of Agriculture the authority to promulgate the rules to establish this program, as well as allocate the funding that the governor has put in his proposed budget to mitigate farmland loss and that would be through the through a pace program a purchase of agricultural conservation easement program we don't know the details of what qualifiers for that program would look like because that's what the rules process is for but uh, excited to start having those conversations we've been meeting with members of that committee this week looking forward to next week the other farm bureau priority issue that's moving is in the senate and we're back again with senator wally who will have the solar tasser study implementation senate bill 2496 before the senate energy agriculture and natural resources committee next week this legislation implements some of the recommendations that Tasser has put forth um, in their September 2023 study. What we hope it does is provide guidance and accountability for landowners, local governments, solar development companies. It um, makes some changes to the state's decommissioning law. Currently, if you have a 10 megawatt or more site being uh, implemented, you have to submit a decommissioning plan. This lowers that threshold to 5 megawatts as well as blatantly establishes that the Brownfield bill that we talked about last year, the Brownfield Redevelopment Program, um, can be used on solar development. So using those brownfields instead of our beautiful greenfields, as well as some other recommendations that TASR set forth. So looking forward to seeing that um, hopefully finally come to some sort of conclusion in the Senate Energy Committee and get rolling on that. One other thing that is in the House Ag Subcommittee that is not necessarily a priority issue, but something that Farm Bureau has been engaged on is House Bill 2079 by Representative Terry. This legislation clarifies something from the Veterinary Practice Act where uh, this would provide protection and assurance to practicing veterinarians in an instance where they may suspect abuse. 
Currently, that process is not extremely clear on what protections are afforded to the veterinarian in the in the event that they report um, suspected abuse. So this just kind of shores that up and and gives those veterinarians that protection. So we've been uh, gracious enough to be working with the Tennessee Veterinary Medicine Association on that and look forward to seeing Representative Terry present that as well. Very good. Well, um, thanks for all those updates and uh, just insights about what's happening. So um, other than what kind of you just said, anything else our folks need to know about moving into next week um i will say the budget a lot of those documents are linked in the alert and then there was a special alert sent on monday after the state of the state so if you um, are listening and haven't seen some of that and want to know more details about other parts of his budget definitely recommend checking that those links out um and of course anything else that y'all link in the legislative alert yep i'm also linking the senate and house finance ways and means committee because after the state of the state the department of finance and administration goes to both of the finance committees and basically presents a much deeper dive into the budget I think that's helpful, but I think what's more helpful than watching the commissioner present a PowerPoint is hearing the questions from lawmakers, because some of the times the questions they have are ones that maybe we don't think of, or maybe it is a question that we've been asking. So getting to kind of hear that dialogue may be helpful to our members who are particularly interested in in some sector of the budget. A little more explanation of what um, is written. That makes sense. All right. Very good. Well, as always, just a reminder, legislative visits March 13th and 14th. 12th and 13th. That's right. Um, To be honest, I'm not going to be here for that. So I haven't. uh, That's not on my (laughs) calendar. So 12th and 13th. uh, Contact your county secretary if you want to join us for those visits. We hope you will. And then, of course, um, National Ag Day on March 19th. So we look forward to Ag Day on the Hill and the festivities and fun that will happen there. So anything else you want to add, Shelby? Just hope if you um, haven't been a part of the webinar yet that we catch you either if, if you're listening to this today, it comes out Thursday, February 8th or next Monday, Tuesday, February 12th or 13th. Um, it's a great opportunity if you have questions and you're part of your County Farm Bureau, mm-hmm. you should go to the webinar and, and text those questions in and, and hear more about what's happening on the state and national level. Very good. Well, thanks for joining us this week, everyone, and listening, and we will give you updates on what's happening on the Hill next week. Have a great weekend.